0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, we're so glad to have you with us today. If you're new to New Song Church, my name is Josh. I'm the pastor. And uh, if you are new, we just want to say welcome. We hope that you feel at home here today with us after the service is over, me and, and my wife, Sarah, we're going to be out in the lobby. We'd love to meet you, so stop by. We'll be out there at Guest Central. Stop by. Say hi to us. We actually have a gift we want to give to you, so make sure that you stop by and pick that up. Uh, next weekend, we're beginning a brand new series called Within, and I am really pumped about this series because it's, it's all about the person who can be within every believer that was sent by Jesus to help us. Of course, if you know what I'm talking about, you know I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, and so we're gonna be we're gonna spend several weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I've I've come to know, and you probably maybe some of you can experience this right now. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, and you're kind of going, "Whoa, bro! I don't know about this." And that's because I, well, my experience, especially in this city, is there's a lot of people we know about Jesus, we know about the cross, we know about God, we know about forgiveness of sins, we know that stuff, but we don't really know much about the Holy Spirit. And maybe what you do know makes you a little scared. You've seen some stuff. You've seen some YouTube videos, people beating other people with coats and doing weird stuff. Yeah. So what we want to do in this series is we want to kind of demystify the Holy Spirit and, and help you to partner. You know, there, there's a saying right now, you probably have seen this, maybe you've posted about this, people living their best life, you know, you ever heard that before? Someone's drinking a pumpkin spice something and they're like you're living your best life let me just tell you you ain't living your best life unless you understand the work of the holy spirit and you are connected to the person of the holy spirit i love first service you guys get this right so so we're going to talk about the holy spirit his role in your life how to be led by the spirit how to be empowered by the holy spirit how to walk with the person of the holy spirit it's going to be really really good series i would encourage you today to make the commitment to be here over the next five weeks of this series so that you don't miss out on a single part of that. Don't, don't believe the lie that it's the same at, at home. It's not. You need to be here in the presence of God, in the body of Christ, with other believers shoulder to shoulder, connecting with God. There's something special. You can sense it in this room this morning, isn't it? The presence of God's tangible in here today. So make sure that you are here. Uh, today we're, we're concluding our series that we've been in called, called uh, Jesus in the Flesh. And we've been studying the life of Jesus and specifically looking at the humanity of Jesus. And, and the Word of God tells us that through His humanity, we can, we can relate to Him, He can relate to us, and we can receive help from the Holy Spirit. And I hope you've enjoyed this series as much as I have. I thought, I thought in particular Sarah did a fabulous job last week. You know, I, I, we're blessed to have her. I hope you know that. We are blessed to have... That girl, I am sure blessed to have her in my life. But man, I'm telling you, she is a fireball. If you missed that message, make sure you go back and listen to it. You can listen to any of the messages from this series uh, on our podcast or, or through uh, through our YouTube page. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Watch our videos, man. There's some great, great stuff on there to minister to you. So today I want to talk to you about uh, this last part of Jesus in the flesh. And it's something that I don't know that I've ever really heard somebody preach an entire message on this before. What I want to talk to you about today is when Jesus expressed anger. I want to talk to you about four occasions in scripture where Jesus got mad, got angry, and I want to help you to understand why Jesus got anger, the motivation behind his anger. Because I think when we understand the anger of the Lord, it helps us to understand the things that we need to rise up in anger against. There's some stuff going on in this world that we as a church need to rise up with holy anger and say, this is not okay. So, in order to understand this, though, i got to kind of hit on a couple things right off the bat here. A couple of myths that sometimes people believe when it comes to anger. The first one is this, is that that anger is always bad. Let me just tell you today, anger is not always bad. The Bible talks about be angry and do not sin. Before it says do not sin in your anger, though, it says be angry. (laughs) The Bible actually tells you that you need to get mad every once in a while. It's good. In fact, in the Bible 375 times in the Old Testament, it tells us that God got mad, He got angry. Anger is an emotion that God created, and when it's, when, it's, when it's done the right way and this is a big thing when it comes to anger is, is real anger is not based on selfishness. Right. But when it's done in the right way, it's actually a, an actual, it's a sign of love. It's evidence of love. Like for example, I love my wife Sarah. I love my children. If I heard that somebody was rising up against my family to try to harm them, I am gonna rise against them with some holy anger. Can I get an amen? And then that moment, that's not me flying off the handle. That's the evidence of the love that I have for them on display. So anger is not always bad. Here's the second thing you need to understand about anger. Anger is a choice. Anger is a choice. Anger is, is, is not something that's beyond my control. You can control your anger. Can I, can I talk about something? I'm going to get real with you this morning. Your, your anger, you, you don't have more anger. Let me just throw something out of you. If, if you have red hair, you don't have more anger than every other, every other person. That's an excuse. That's not true. Because you come from a, curf- a cultural background or you've got this history of this in your family or whatever, doesn't excuse you being more angry than other people, just so you know. So don't use that excuse. The reason you say, Well, why am I this way? Because you've been believing the people who've told you that your whole life. When you got mad and you had red hair, people say, Oh, here's a redhead, fiery little redhead. And you just believe that. But it's not true. In fact, one of the nicest people I know is Jackson Wilson. Where is he in here this morning? He's got red hair. I don't think he can get angry. Anger is something you can control. The Bible says, in Joshua, it says we choose this day who we're going to serve. Yes. So you, you get to make a choice. You're going to serve your temper or you're going to serve Jesus. Yes. You, you're in control. No one can make you mad. Like we say that sometimes. like That guy's making me so mad. My kids are making me so mad. That, that person at work is making me so mad. No, they're not. You just get mad. If they can make you mad, then they can control you, and no one can control you. God won't even control you. You always have a choice. Can I get an amen? Okay, so, so here's what you need to understand then, okay? Anger is, is, is a choice you can make. It's under control, and it's not always bad. So here's the thing. As we look at Scripture, we're going to see Jesus expressing anger. Now, Jesus is God. Jesus is perfect. He's without sin. So when he expressed anger, he wasn't, he wasn't sinning. He was in control, and he was intentionally choosing to display anger so we could see something. And what I want you to see this morning, in fact, this is something God kind of, right before I was going to bed last night, God spoke this to me. Write this down. Godly anger is backed by godly love. Godly anger is motivated by godly love. And what you're going to see today is the, the anger of God is motivated by what God loves. All right? So four occasions in Scripture where Jesus got mad. Let's jump right into this. Mark chapter 11. Jesus is walking along on this journey. They're journeying to to this town. And and on their way there, the Bible says Jesus was hungry. He was hungry. Anybody hungry this morning? may not eat breakfast this morning? Nobody. Okay, you guys are good. You got that first meal in. Good job. So Jesus is hungry. And the Bible says that he sees a, a fig tree. And it says that the fig tree is in leaf. And so he, he travels over to this fig tree to get a fig from it because he's hungry. Look at this with me. Mark chapter 11 verse 13. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. Everybody say in leaf. In leaf. That's important. Remember that. He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached out, it found it had nothing but leaves. Because it was not the season for figs. Now remember that, that little sentence right there. We're going to come back to that. Verse 14. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So he said this so they could hear him. He was showing them something. They go about their journey, travel on to, to Jerusalem where they're going, spend some time there. On their way back by, they walk by this, this tree again, but now the tree is dead. Peter sees it and goes, Jesus, look at the, the tree that you cursed. It's dead. Okay, so Jesus, you can look at this and you can say, well, Jesus, you know, he was hangry there. (laughs) Like, you know, having a bad day. Sarah said this last week, like sometimes you don't make the best decisions when you're hungry. Jesus was hungry, got a little disappointed with this tree, and so he flew off the end. No, no, that's not what happened. Okay, Jesus is God. God is perfect. He's without sin. He wasn't sinning. He knew what he was doing. So what's going on here? Well, first of all, you have to understand this tree should have had figs on it. It should have. I know that it says there, it says because it was not the season for figs, but this is actually one of the rare occasions in Scripture where a word was translated the wrong way. There's a word in the verse there that's, that's the word a la that was translated a lo. The difference between these two is a lo means not, a la means indeed. The the version should have said it was indeed the season for figs, which makes more sense why Jesus would have been angry with this tree. He walks over to this tree. He sees a tree that should, it's the season for figs. The tree is in leaf. That's what that means. It's a season for figs. It's a healthy tree because it has leaves on it. He walks over to it and there are no Leaves on this tree, and this makes Jesus angry. Why was Jesus angry? What was He showing us in this moment? Here it is. Number one, Jesus was angry because of selfishness. This tree was displaying selfishness. It was a tree in leaf but without fruit. Think about leaves, okay? What do leaves do? Leaves catch sunlight, leaves catch water, leaves catch carbon dioxide, leaves. Create, help create photosynthesis within a tree, which causes that tree to be fed. Leaves are about the tree. What is fruit? Fruit is not about the tree. Fruit is something the tree produces that is for somebody outside of the tree. The, the fruit of the tree feeds someone outside of the tree. So Jesus comes up to this tree, and he sees this tree that's in leaf that should be producing fruit, but it's not. This fig tree was hoarding its resources for itself. This fig tree was more about displaying leaves and feeding itself than it was about displaying fruit for the world and meeting the desire of the Messiah. Guys, this is a good preaching this morning. So, so Jesus looks at that and he says, I'm angry at that. I don't like that. This tree was displaying selfishness. Now, let's be honest. We live in a world where selfishness is easy to come by, isn't it? we see a lot of selfishness in the world and and listen we're not like we're not missing out on this in the church world either there's a lot of selfishness within the church and i think the question that this this story begs us when we see this anger is am, am i living a selfish life am i living a life that's more about leaves than about fruit Am I more about feeding myself and take care of what is a me, myself, and I than I am about displaying something that can feed and take care of the world and meeting the desire of my Messiah? If Jesus looked at you today, would he see selfishness? If he looked at your time, your treasure, your talents, would he see selfishness on display? If he looked at your bank account, would he see selfishness on display? If he looked at how you spend your time would he see selfishness on display? If he looked at how you're using your gifting would he see selfishness on display? I'm stepping on your toes this morning, I know, but I want to wake you up to something because Jesus says this is dangerous. Yes. Selfishness is dangerous. In fact, look at this with me. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 15. The, the heading of this text is Jesus warns against selfishness, warning us. Look at this, verse 15. Be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful. Guard against all kinds of greed or, or, in other words, selfishness. People do not get life from the many things they own. Then Jesus used this story. There was a rich man who had some land. His land grew, a very good... Crop of food. He thought to himself, what will I do? I have no place to keep all my crops. So this guy has an abundance. He's blessed. He's got a lot going on. Look at what, what he says here. Notice in, in the language of what Jesus displays here of how selfish this language is. Then he said, I know what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger barns. I will put my wheat and good things together in my new barns. Then I can say to myself... I have many good things stored. I have, I have saved uh, enough for many years' rest, eat, drink, enjoy life. This guy's got a lot, and so he says, I'm going to keep all this for me. I'm just going to build bigger barns so I can hoard all these resources that, that I have, I've attained. God looks at this and says, This ain't good. Look at the next verse. But God said to that man, Foolish man, tonight you will die. So, what about the things you prepared for yourself? Who will get those things now? This is how it will be for anyone who saves things only for himself. Notice God's not saying don't save things. He's not saying you shouldn't have nice things. He's saying is it all just about you? See, God created us. Listen, church. God created us to be fruitful and to multiply, to produce fruit, fruit that is on display. That, and this fruit helps bring people to God. Matthew 5, 16 says people will see your good works. They'll see the fruit of your life, and they will glorify God. So the question is, is your life displaying fruit, or are you just displaying leaves? Is your life just about you and yours, your little family, your little crew, and that's where everything goes, and not about producing anything that impacts the world? So what's the answer here? Well, the answer is a simple answer, but it's a little harder to do than it is to say, and that is, we have to be a giver. We have to be a person who says, I'm going to be a giver with my time, my treasure, and my talents. I'm going to be a person who's working to produce fruit in this world around me. Are, Are you doing that? That's why we have these opportunities that we present to you all the time here at New Song Church. Come serve with us. It's an opportunity for you to give of some of your time, give of some of your talents, to be fruitful in this church, to produce something that's feeding other people, that's helping other people to come to know God. This is why we invite you to be a tither. To give of of the fruit that God's produced, he says, to bring it back to me so God can bless you and so that we, through your finances, can can make fruitful impact on the world around us. You know, if you're giving to this church, you're giving to kingdom causes. This church, we don't just keep all this money for ourselves. This isn't just going to us. We take the money that's brought into this church and we use a big portion of that to build the kingdom of God. It, it helps us in this city to, to reach people who are caught up in drug addiction through Hope is Alive. It helps us. You know, there's people in this church. You never hear about this because we don't brag about it. We don't talk about it. There's people in our church that sometimes they come on tough seasons. And we're there to help them, make a house payment for them sometimes. We help them get their oil changed. We help them fix their car. We fix air conditioners. We've done all sorts of stuff like this. It happens all the time. We're, we're given to missions organizations. You know, in the last month, we, we support a missions organization called ARC that's planted over 20 churches this month. And your finances, if you're tithing, you're giving. If you're bringing your fruit like God says to do, you're a part of that. My question is, are you a part of that? Sarah said something a few, a few years ago in a message one time. And it just, I, I remember this all the time. She says, if everybody gave like you, what would the church look like? If everybody served like you, what would the church look like? It's a really great question. I think for some of you, you'd go, man, I think New Song would be twice the size if everybody gave like me. If everybody served like me, this church would be thriving. And kudos to you. Good job. But for some of you, we probably wouldn't be able to turn the lights on if everybody gave like you. We probably wouldn't have kids' classrooms today if everybody was, was serving like you. Like, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but there's, there's people here that you've been coming a new song and you've never given a dime. Like not even, you don't tithe, you haven't even tipped us. Are, are you, is that normal for you? Like, do you go into restaurants to eat and leave? Do you just go in a, Here, here, are you displaying leaves or fruit? That's the question. Because God looks at that, that other attitude, and, and he, he says, that angers me. And remember, you're angry right now. I can't believe he's talking about this. Well, good. Now you're feeling a little bit of what God feels towards you. Because listen, there, there's a God that gave everything for us. Sent his son. Gave his best, his first, his everything. And you think he looks at you and say, saying, no, not me, Jesus. I ain't going to do that. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. No. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, we were moving into our, our, our new house. And um, we had the day, like if you've moved, you know how it goes. There's like the day you move in and then there's the day you settle in. So this was the day we would moved everything in and now we're settling in. So my kids are little, 11 is my oldest, my youngest is five. They're really more of a hindrance when it comes to stuff like this than help. So we arranged that day for them to go and to be with other people and to kind of have a fun day, you know, hanging out, going, doing fun stuff while we were at home unpacking boxes, setting up their beds, making their rooms. I mean, just working our tails off all day. So it's the end of that day... And my son, Gus, is in our, our living room, and his, one of his duties is to take the trash out to the curb. And so I was like, buddy, I need you to go, go take those trash cans out to the curb. And he looked at me like I just asked him to die on the cross for my sins. Like, it was like, so offended. Dad, you know what I've been doing today? I have been busy today. He didn't say this. This is his heart's position. And Let me just tell you this guy had to be careful not to be angry and and sin not in that moment. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I I talked to him and I helped him understand. Everybody say, help me understand. I helped him understand that he had a selfish heart on display in this moment. That he wasn't thinking about this new house that we've got for him and, and, my, and his sisters and our family, we want to think about that room that I've been spending all day setting up for him, getting ready for him. He wasn't thinking about that. In that moment, he was being a child, thinking like a child. And so I helped him understand. Uh, and today, listen, I'm trying to help some of you understand. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help you understand that when, when God comes to us and he says, "Hey, he presents these opportunities to us." Hey, the youth ministry here at New Song Church is growing. And, and Jackson's doing an incredible job. And we want to take these teenagers that are coming into to our church, and we want, to, we want to help them to know God. We want to help them to understand how to be led by the Holy Spirit, how to walk in the goodness of God, how to have a real relationship with God. And as this is growing, we need more people to help us serve. Would, would you help us out with that? God says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to give. I've blessed you. And I want you to bring the tithe back. And I want you to give towards this, this thing that the church is doing. And listen, if our answer to these things is anything but yes... We're displaying leaves. And God's called us to display fruit. And we've got to rise against this attitude, this selfish heart that we can fall into yes. in holy anger. And we've got to say, no, not me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we will give our all, our best to our Savior who gave his all, his best, his first to me. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's number two. Here's the second one. The second occasion where Jesus gets angry is in Mark chapter 3. Jesus is in the synagogue. And he sees this man, and it says that the man had a withered hand. In other words, he had a crippled hand. His hand was useless. Uh, In Luke's telling of this story, he he specifically says it was his right hand. Now, theologians go back and forth, but uh, many believe that he actually wasn't just his right hand, but it was his entire right side was crippled, that maybe he had a stroke or something like that. So now his entire right side. We don't know for sure, but what we do know... Is not in the culture of that day to have something wrong with your right hand was significant because the right hand was a symbol of authority and it was a symbol of the blessing of God. You probably heard people talk before about he's my right hand man. That means he's my best. He's my highly favored. He's one of the best I got. So this guy's got a cripple in his right hand. So people in in that society, one, he couldn't work because he's crippled. He can't work a good kind of day-laboring job, so he can't make all the money he needs to. So then he's got to beg. Well, now when he goes and begs, people look at him because his right hand is crippled, and it's like a scarlet letter. See, the favor of God's not on him, and it's not on him for a reason. So I I don't don't know what that guy's done, but I'm not going to be a part of that. So this guy's in a bad, bad place. Jesus sees him, and Jesus wants to minister to him. Because Jesus loves to minister to the down and out. But there's some people there, and they don't like this. Look at this with me. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue. This is the church. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them, Pharisees, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Notice, these guys are just looking for for bad. What they think is bad. Okay? Verse 3. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hands, stand up in front of everyone. So he's saying, hey, I want you to come front center. I'm going to do something, and I want everybody here to see this. Then Jesus asked them, the Pharisees, which is more lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or kill? This hit me this week. Notice what Jesus says. You do nothing, it's the same as evil and killing. Amen. Nothing is on equivalent with that. But they remained silent. In other words, they even said nothing. They just looked at him. Now look at this next part, verse 5. He looked around at them in anger. Everybody say, in anger. In anger. And deeply distressed by their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely Amen. restored. Jesus displayed anger here. For these men to see, for his disciples to see, he put anger on display. What did Jesus want us to see? Here, here's what I believe it was. Jesus was angry because of Religion. Religion is on display here. What's religion? Here's religion. Religion is doing a God thing without God. That's what religion is. And that's what these guys are wanting to do. They're in the synagogue. They say they're about God, but they're really not. You know how I know? Because God is there. (laughs) Jesus is God, and he wants to do something. He's got an agenda, and they want nothing to do with it. Why? Because they're more attached to their traditions to their customs than they really are to the work of God, the work that Jesus wants to do. They don't see this guy in his pain. They don't see this guy in his torment. They don't even see God because they're so caught up in their traditions. They're looking at this situation saying, no, no, we don't do that, God. We don't do that, Jesus. It's the Sabbath. We, we, can't, we can't step over there into that kind of stuff. It's the Sabbath. And Jesus, did you see his right hand is shriveled like something's wrong with this guy, Our traditions, our customs tell us that this guy, he didn't have the favor of God on him, so we want nothing to do with that. And they miss out on God. Listen, religion, my friends, is a killer. You know what crucified Jesus? Who put Jesus on the cross? It wasn't the sinful of the day. It was the religious of the day. Religion doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. Religion is not about relationship. And that's why all the time at New Song Church we say, we are not about religion. We are about relationship. We're about helping people come to know God, to step into a real relationship because Jesus was about relationship. And if we become a church that's so caught up in our traditions and our customs and our little clique, and if anybody tries to come into it and they don't do things exactly the way we want them to, if they're doing stuff that we kind of go, whoa, that's not normal here, then we're gonna push them aside and we're not gonna be a part of the work that Jesus wants to do in their life. Church, we gotta get angry about that. We gotta rise up and say, not at this house, now listen, I'm not say, saying that we throw away the message. Right. We hold fast to the Word of God. We hold fast to the truth, of the Word of God. But the methods sometimes used to get the message to the world today are going to shift. Right. And you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, what, what, the church doesn't look anything like it did in the 70s. That's right. Praise the Lord. Right. Yeah. The church doesn't look anything like it did in the 80s. Although it, some of the trends in clothing are kind of <laughs> moving in that direction. Right. But, but, but things change. God's a God on the move. And he wants to reach the, this culture and this generation. And so we hold fast to the truths of the word of God. We don't compromise the word. You come to this church, I preach the word here. We're not going to compromise the word. We're going to live by the word, but we're going to walk in relationship. And if our customs or traditions push us away from being able to extend relationship to people, then they're not, they're not customs based in the word of God. So we got to rise up against that in holy anger. Jesus was against that. Jesus was against religion because Jesus was about relationship. Here's the third occasion where Jesus gets mad. And this is probably the most famous. This is the one when I said this that you, you know, talked about getting angry. You probably thought, oh, yeah, he's going to tell this story for sure today. It's a story where Jesus drives out the money changers. If you know this story, Jesus comes to the temple. There's some people selling goods, and Jesus gets mad. It says he turns over tables. He chases out animals. You can read this in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. I'm going to read you kind of the the shorter version from Matthew 21, verse 12 and 13. It says, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Den of robbers. What, What was going on here? These people were ripping off people who were coming to worship God. And Jesus looks at this, he says, I don't like this. You guys are robbing people. What was on display here? Jesus was angry because of cheating. Jesus was angry because these people were being dishonest. These people were stealing. These people were taking advantage of other people. So here's what was going on. It's Jerusalem and it's it's the Passover. People are coming to make sacrifices. They're coming to worship God. Some of these people are traveling from very far away. and, And so in order to worship God, they needed a sacrifice. But some of them couldn't travel with their sacrifice. So they would come to the temple and they would purchase sacrifices. And that was normal. The problem is these people that are selling, the Bible says Jesus says they're robbing people, which means they're upcharging them. It's kinda like when you go to the airport and and you go through the check-in process and you get inside the airport and you get a little hungry, a little thirsty, so you go to the little, you know, little place to buy yourself a water and a bag of chips or something. And normally it's about, you know, two bucks at a gas station, two fifty, three dollars maybe, but now it's fifteen dollars. Why? Because they got you right where they want you. You can't leave. And so they can charge you these exorbitant amounts because you, can, you, you have no other choice. You're going to drink from the water fountain? What is What kind of barbarian society is this? So you got to do it. That's what was happening here. These people had no choice. They needed a sacrifice. And maybe this is five times what it would normally cost, but i, I got to pay it. Jesus looked at it and said... He was mad about it. And he got angry. He turned over tables. And remember, Jesus did not fly off the handle here. He was in control. He made the choice. In fact, it says he fashioned a whip. <laughs> I love that. Like, Jesus was like, oh, well, you're doing, okay, I'm going to go back over here and make me a little. Whip. Okay, now we're going... Now it's on. But Jesus saw something on display. He hated it. And I could show you verse after verse in the Bible. Proverbs 11, here's one. The Lord hates cheating, delights in honesty. Tons of, I mean, there's hundreds of verses on this. I think the greater question for us is just asking ourselves: am, am I cheating? Am I being dishonest And how I live my life? Am I cheating my employer? Am I cheating my employees? Am I saying I'm doing things at work and I'm not? Am I, am I, am I business expensing things that aren't business? Students, are you cheating at school? Are you cheating on tests? Are you cheating on quizzes? Are you copying other people's homework? And let me just tell you, I am preaching to the choir right now. My diploma is false. I cheated so bad in high school. Oh, my gosh. But I didn't win. Let me just tell you, because the test would come up, and I'd be like, what? I have no idea what this is. Like those kids, teachers know this. A kid that's getting like hundreds on all his homework but 40's on the test. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Are you cheating? Are you, are, you, are you dishonest with your parents? Are you, here's one. Do you go to the restaurant and you order a water? Some of you know where I'm going. You get that clear cup. You go over to the soda fountain. And you can't get a Dr. Pepper. I mean, it's a clear cup. But I can get a Sprite. No one will know. It's clear. So I guess your integrity is worth two bucks. It's not that big a deal. No, it is. Because God says what you do with little things is what you do with the big things. God says what you did unto them, you did unto me. So you stealing soda from Jesus? And it's not teenagers, guys. I've seen this with adults, I'm just going, okay. Are you honest with God? Are you cheating from God? Are you honest? Do you pay your taxes? Do you cheat on your taxes? Do you bring your tithe back? Malachi, it starts by saying, begin by being honest. Will a man rob God? That you've robbed me how? In the tithe and offering. So here's what happens. This is what God showed me this week. I, I've never thought of it this way before, but when we, when we do this, when we cheat, when we steal, we align ourselves with the work of the enemy. The Bible says the devil comes to do what? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What's the first thing? You know, how, you know how the devil steals? One of the things he needs, just like God needs, is he needs people that he can steal through. Are you being used by God to steal from other people? Ooh. like are, do you own a, a, a business or maybe Well, let's, let's use this for example you, you, you work at a company it changes oil and a mom comes in she needs to get her oil changed on her car and so she comes in to get her oil changed and then you come out and you tell her there's all these problems with her car there really isn't but she doesn't know so you tell her all these problems with her car and she's she's got to have a car you know, she's a working mom so she, she, I don't know how she's going to do it, but I guess put it on my credit card. And you charge her. You made a little bit more money, but you just stole from her. You were used by the enemy to steal from that lady. I'm just trying to make this real for you. Because I don't think sometimes we think of it in terms of like real stuff. But we're stealing. We're aligning ourselves with the enemy. And here's what happens. This is why God hates this. Because in the moment you do this, you, you quit walking by faith. In that moment, you're saying, God, I don't really trust you to take care of me, so I'm going to take this into my own hands. And when you take it into your own hands, you take it out of the hands of God. Actually, you tie the hands of God. and So now God can't rebuke the devourer on your behalf. God can't fight for you because you've aligned yourself with the enemy. And now the enemy can steal, kill, and destroy you. And God can't do anything to defend you. So why does God hate you cheating? Because you cheat yourself out of the blessing he wants to give you. So there's got to be a holy anger within us that says, no, not me. I'm not going to do this. My integrity ain't worth two bucks. I may not make as much this month, but I'm trusting God that I'm going to do what's right. And I'm not going to be used by the enemy to steal, to kill, and to destroy anyone else in my world. Jesus was angry because of cheating. And we've got to have holy anger that rises up in us against against cheating. Here's number four, the fourth occasion, Matthew chapter 19. Actually, I'll get to Matthew 19 in a second. Matthew 18, uh, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we want you to rank us. Who's the greatest among us? Like they're wanting the ESPN top 10 disciples to go down here, top 12, I guess. And so they're thinking Jesus is going to be like, well, John, you're number one. You know, Peter, number two, and so on and so forth. But but Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, Jesus brings his child up, and he says this is what the kingdom's about. He says this, Matthew 18, verse 4, whoever humbles himself as a child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. He goes on to talk about how if you receive a child, you, you receive me. And so now you go to Matthew chapter 19, and people are, are displaying faith in what Jesus has just said. The Bible says that people are bringing children to Jesus. Matthew 19 verse 13, Then little children were brought to him that he may, might put his hands on them and pray. So think about this. In the life of Jesus, why would people come to him so that he could put him, his hands on them and pray? Because they needed it. They needed healing. They needed freedom. And so parents have just heard Jesus values kids. Not everybody does in this culture, but Jesus does. And my kid needs this. My kid's sick. My kid's desperate. And so I can bring him to Jesus. The one who's been healing people wants to heal my children. And so people are bringing these children to Jesus. Jesus has just said to his disciples, this is, this is what I'm about. And look at what the disciples do. goes on to say, but the disciples rebuked them. Like, what? Jesus has just said, I'm about this. And these, these children, realize these children they are being, they're being brought, they need the touch of Jesus. They're sick, they're hurting. And so guess what? Jesus got mad. Look at what it says, verse, 19, verse 14. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. In Mark, when it talks about this, it says that Jesus was indignant as he made this statement indignant means that he he was insulted, he had great displeasure. I'll put it in Oklahoma terms, he was ticked off, okay? He said, "Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such is the kingdom of heaven." And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. This is the only time in scripture we see Jesus rising up in anger against his people, his disciples. He's mad at his disciples. He's displaying anger at them for something they're doing. Why was Jesus so angry? Here's why. Number four, Jesus was angry because of discrimination. They were displaying discrimination. Here's discrimination. Discrimination is the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people on the grounds of race, age, or sex. Listen, Jesus, if you know anything about the life of Jesus, Jesus was revolutionary. Jesus was a revolutionary in how he treated women of the day. Women were of no value in the day of Jesus. And he came along and said, I value you. I love you. You're a part of the kingdom of God. And he brought them in. Jesus looked at the different races of the day. And he said, I love all these races. He told stories where he put different races in the Hebrew people in light that was positive. Jesus loved the different races. Indeed, Jesus showed us that he loved children. He loved old people. Jesus was against prejudice. Jesus was against discrimination. Colossians 3, verse 11 says this, in this new life, this is talking about the life that we find in Christ, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant, Such things mean nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters. And he is, say this last part with me, equally available to all. Jesus is an equal opportunity Savior. His grace is available to every race, to every age, to every sex, male or female. He loves them all. He died for them all. And yet, listen. And this is what's so interesting. Jesus is talking to his disciples because this is a problem he sees with his people. And if you think about the church today, one of the great problems in the church today, one of the dividing points within the church is, is discrimination. Churches can't decide what do we do with women. We can't have women on the platform. Not, Far be it from her. Blah, 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 blah. They can go back and they can they can hold babies, but they can't preach. Because we don't value kids either. So just throw them back there with the kids. You want to hear more? I preached a whole message on, on that last year. You can listen to that. Jesus loved women. I, I believe God's called women to be in leadership. He's called women to preach. He's called yeah. people to be members. It's a New Testament church. We see that on display. If you don't like that, you're walking in religion. Jesus loved children. We sing songs about it. Jesus loves little children. Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and yet churches today, some of them, we don't, they, don't, they don't value kids. They say they do, but their, their children's churches are just parking lots. Wow. Let's paint it real pretty and throw them in there with a coloring page and say, say done. We ain't doing that here. <laughs> We're going to teach them the word here. Yeah. Martin Luther King talked about how the most divided, segre- uh, segregated time of the week was Sunday morning. We got the black churches, we got the white churches, we got the Hispanic churches. I want you to know something. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be a black section, a white section, a Hispanic section. It's going to be all of us together, all races, all ages, all sexes together, unified to glorify God. So I just figure, how about right now? I don't want a white church. I don't want an all black church. I don't want an all Hispanic church. I want a bunch of different faces representing. God, His kingdom here on earth. I don't want a church with just men in leadership. I want a church with women in leadership. I want a church with kids in leadership. I want a church with older people in leadership. I want a church that displays the family of God that we will see on earth in heaven someday. See, Jesus got angry about some stuff. Why? And when He did, He was displaying love, really. Jesus didn't want us to be, he showed us anger over stuff like selfishness. It angers the heart of God. Why? Because God is about giving. God knows what giving will do for you and what giving can do to build the kingdom of God in this world. Jesus was angry against religion because religion keeps people from relationship. Religion hides the face of God. Religion is a killer. So, Jesus rose up in anger against that because he fought for relationship. Jesus was angry against cheating because he knows, because che- he's for justice. And cheating steals from people, steals from you, steals from the kingdom of God. Jesus rose up against discrimination because he loves all people. He died for everybody. He wants all to come to know Jesus Christ. Jesus was angry, and when he was angry, it was because he loved greatly. And we as a church need to rise up in holy anger over the things that anger our God, so we can fight for what's right, we can fight for love, we can fight for what's valuable, and we can be the church that Jesus Christ died for us to be. Can I get an amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Lord, we love you. We thank you for being our Savior, for being our mighty God who made a way when there was no other way. And Lord, I just, we just say today, we repent. If there's any area of our life today where you can look at us and we can say, man, we're displaying leaves and we're, we're being selfish and we're, we've discriminated. We, we see this stuff as sinful and wrong. We see that it angers the heart of God and we, and we repent. We say we're sorry, Lord. And we want to change. We want to be who you call us to be. We want to be givers. We want to be people who display fruit. We want to be people who love and, and accept and bring people into this family of God. So use us, Lord, in Jesus' name your head's still and nice clothes maybe you're here today and you've never come to be a part of the family of God I want you to know today that Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter how bad you've been Uh, the cross is greater than your works and Jesus made a way so that you could be saved and if you'll just believe in him and accept and receive it you can have eternal life he can take all that sin he can erase it and he can give you a brand new spirit you're what the Bible calls born again you receive a new spirit if that's you today and you've never done that, or maybe you, you've done it before, but you know today you're not where you should be with the Lord, you, you've, you've moved away from God, and you want to get right with God today. If that's you today, I'd love to pray for you today. So if that's you, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to just repeat this prayer after me in church since we're all in agreement. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, Father God thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your Son you sending you to die on the cross God. for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life in you. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my all. Thank you for saving me. I make you my Lord, and I make you my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, come and a hand of those people, and let's celebrate them. I'm going to go ahead and invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, we would love to pray for you today. We'd love to join our faith with yours and whatever it is that you're believing for. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with some sickness in your body. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with a mind battle. Maybe you're here today and you're believing in faith for something. If it matters to you, it matters to God and it matters to us. And so we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to join our faith with you in whatever it may be that you're believing for. Maybe you prayed that prayer to make Jesus your Lord and Savior this morning. If you did, uh, way to go. And, and I'd just encourage you to do one more thing before you leave today. Come down and let one of these people know. Just all you have to do is say, hey, I prayed that prayer and I really meant it. And uh, we want to give you a gift. It's a, it's a book. It's some resources that are really going to help you to walk out this life in Christ that we believe God's called you to. So if that's you today, make sure don't leave without without receiving what, what we have for you, that gift. And uh, if you need prayer, make sure you don't miss out on that. Don't leave with a burden this morning. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to go into one more song. During this time, you can come down at any time and receive prayer. Otherwise, let's just worship the Lord, thank Him for His goodness. Lord, we love you. We praise you. You are so good and so faithful. And I pray if there's anyone here today under the sound of my voice who has a prayer need of any kind, that you would draw them to your altars to receive what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.